Hello everyone, this is Tanika Drake and I am going to share a book with you that I've written called The Gift of Finding God's Love, Guilt and Shame Turned into My Shine. Please check that book out either on Barnes & Noble or you can find it at Amazon or any place where you can get that book. Remember, it is not okay for anyone to hurt or harm you. Please check that book out and happy reading everyone. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your Word. I thank you for your people. Continue to bless us as we go forward in your Word. Let us see what the Spirit of the Lord is doing through your Word to our hearts and our ears and our mind and teach us how to obey the word of God as we learn about the compassion of your Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. We're an exciting time in the book of, 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 of Luke that this marvelous book written by a Greek physician historically about Jesus. And what Luke is, since he's a Gentile, he's trying to show us that Jesus is a compassionate God, a compassionate man. Because we see up to this point, we see the witnesses of G who Jesus was. So who were some of the witnesses of who Jesus was and what he's going to do? Who were some of the witnesses? I'm going back. Who were some of the witnesses? Anna. Who else? Simeon. Simeon. Who else? The shepherds. The shepherds. Who else? Zachariah. John, John the Baptist. Baptist. Zachariah's mom. Who's Zachariah's mom name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. The Lord himself. When John the Baptist baptized him, this is my son to whom I'm well pleased. Okay. What was his mission? And where do we get it from in the scripture? What was his mission? Uh, it's from Isaiah 51. No, one more 10 up. 61. 61 and 1. Okay. And his mission, let's go back. Isaiah 61 and 1. Read it. And by the way, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Go ahead. Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. So, so we know that when Jesus read that in uh, Luke, he rolled up a scroll and sat down. And he told them, today, this has been fulfilled in your ears. Okay. So we know what he came to do. We got the validation of God himself and all the witnesses of who he was. And the way he validates himself is through his miracles. Who is this man? Like we studied last time. We're still in the studying. Who is this man? You know, and I said, who is this man? He's God, dummy. But we see that the miracles don't necessarily translate to one-on-one -one understanding of who he is. Some say he a prophet, because some's going to say he's, he's, he's Moses. They don't know who he is yet, but he's proving to them that he is God, God incarnate. He is their Messiah, and he's the nation of Israel's Messiah, to which the Messiah for the world is going to come through. But he went to Israel as was promised. As was promised, King David, that the Savior would come through his line. Now, this is an unconditional promise. In spite of what we read in the New Old Testament, how Israel failed, God kept his promise. There were promises or covenants, or if you want to say contracts, that were based upon uh, uh, their performance. Those are the ones that say, if you do this, then I will do that. And their contract for the blessings of God in their material world was, if you follow me and obey me, I will bless you. If you do what I say by the rules, by the law, I will bless you. If you trust me and follow me, I will bless you. I will bring crops to your land. I will send you into a land flowing with milk and honey. I will do all that if you do what you need to do. But if you notice through the Old Testament, Israel never did do for a long period of time what God wanted them to do. It is always the next generation that normally forgets, and then the generation after that picks it up from the grandparents. And that's kind of something in life. It's like, it seems it skips a generation. 
for some reason or another. So you have Israel and God's promises that if the, the promises that came with conditions, they didn't fulfill them. But then he promised that he'd bring a savior through their line so he couldn't destroy them. Mm -hmm. And when God bases a promise on itself, you can guarantee it's going to come through. So Israel is going through a two different kinds of problems. One that has conditions and one that's based upon what God wants to do for the world. Israel was supposed to be the light unto the world. But Israel disobeyed God, went after king and all that. You know, we're always studying that. And they wanted what they wanted. And we find out that Israel had reached a point where everyone would do what is right in their own eyes. The whole book of Judges is about generations, hundreds and hundreds of years of them doing what was right in their own eyes. Everyone had their own idea. And if we look at that as the church, we're supposed to look at what they said to teach us. Okay? Go to uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And Sister Brown, get 2 Timothy 3.15 and 3.16. See the one or the other, so I'll just give us both. 2 Timothy 3.15 and 3.16. Romans 15.4. Mm -hmm. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So we know that that, that this book of antiquity was written for us through all the ages called the scriptures that through enduring, endure, what are we enduring? We're enduring the culture of the day with the scriptures in hand. And that as we go through the society and what we deal with every day, we will have hope in what the scriptures, scriptures give us to have hope in. Well, the scriptures gives us to have hope in who? Jesus Christ. From start to finish, we need a savior. From, from, from the fall in Genesis to the end of Revelation, we need a savior. Okay, that's all this book is about. And this book, the, the hope is in Jesus Christ, that Savior to come. And now we're looking at him coming, has have been here, rejected, but it gave us an opportunity to participate in the hope, the commonwealth of Israel, okay? His chosen people. But it's through the mystery of the body of Christ, where now God is not working on the outside. He's provided a way through his death, burial, resurrection to send back the Holy Spirit to work us from the inside out because that's what we needed to change. Okay, so the scriptures give us these instructions. And anytime that we we we, we culturalize what the Bible says and, and take it out of context, what we do is do damage and violence to the word of God and it doesn't have the power that it's supposed to have for our lives. Okay, what else is Brown, what you got? 2 Timothy 3, <clears throat> 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what I wanted. So he's talking to Timothy. He's telling him about his, go back 314, read 314. But continue, but continue thou in the things which hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Keep going. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So see what the scriptures do? The scriptures make you what? Wise. Yes. Unto what? Salvation. Yep. Which is placed where? In faith. faith in who? In Christ. Christ. in Christ. So the scriptures should lead you to Christ. Yes. Now, in today's times, it's the scriptures... You make it all about you. You don't make it about the glorious God. You throw him in there for, for good for, for good measure. But this book is about a savior, and that's what we need. It's not about you having more money. It's not about you having a, a successful marriage. It's not about any of those things that will come, possibly come through you following God, because you can follow God and don't have a successful marriage. Okay? See, we, 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 we pay God into this corner like, if we do this, then he got to do that. No, 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 no. That, don't, that is not how this works. Okay? You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do with God on your understanding like he's given you so you can walk this world and endure the things of this world. Okay? But it's not a one-to-one correlation that when people get saved, everything going to go right in their life. When people get saved, everything is right in their life because they know where they're going for eternity. No matter what happens after that point. But again, Doc, you know, those are the things that 
a lot of us has been taught and has been ingrained in us mm -hmm. um, from young children, you know, yeah. young child. Yeah. Yeah. You do this, then God's going to bless you. God. So you, 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 it's a quid pro quo with God. God is not your God. God is your, he, you owe him. Because he, you've done what the pastor prescribed teaching says. Okay? And we got to understand, the minute that you think God has to do something for you, based upon his word, you take it out of the grace and mercy category, and now you make God a debtor to you. And God is not a debtor to anyone. He's not a debtor to anyone. But it's those little subtle thinking, Sister Brown, that, that you just talked about, which keeps us blocked from the beauty of who God is. It blocks us. That level of idolatry, of idolizing self, blocks us from having a relationship with the omnipotent God that we can have while we're here. You don't have to wait till you get over there. You can have this relationship with God here, but you have to, the relationship has to, has to be above your circumstance. I got a good relationship with God no matter what I go through. No matter what I go through. No matter sickness, no matter health, no matter rich, no matter poor. Didn't he say that? All things work together for the good for those who love God that are called into his purpose. Whether by my purpose is to worship him in spirit and in truth. And in that, if live my life according to what he wants me to do and let him work out where he wants me to go and let him do what he needs to do through me so I can get a, a crown. And even with that, just knowing him and have a relationship with him like I could have is crown enough. See, the, the issue is there are going to be some people that's going to get into heaven and they're not going to have any rewards because they didn't work on their having a relationship down here. You know what the biggest reward is going to be? There are going to be some people that have a closer relationship with God than you do when you get to heaven. Because of what you did here. Hmm. They gonna, the, the more intimate you are with him here, not religious, the more you are relationally intimate with God here based upon his word, based upon instructions of God, it will determine how well you see him over there. Okay, and I want to see him from an adult maturity and not just like a babe. I want to see him as he truly is. All the light that that that, that, that I can imagine, all the love that I can imagine. I want to see that. All right. So that's that. We know what the scriptures are for. And in John, it tells us that uh, 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 that in his book, these things was written that. We might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Okay. John 20 and 31. All right. So we, we know why these things are written is to instruct us, help us. The Bible also says the purpose for the word of God, <coughs> rebuke, correction, instruction, all of that. So that you can rightly divide this word of truth. There's a wrong way to divide the word of God. Okay. And that's the problem. There's too many people out here wrongly dividing the word of God, not rightly dividing the word of truth. And what you do is you get confused because on one minute they're telling you free and next minute they're putting you in bondage. And nine times out of ten they're putting you in bondage because they don't understand the compassion of God that was given to them. And that's where we are in this book. We're at the point where we see that God, Jesus, has healed a whole bunch of people. Okay? And his compassion still is just amazing. And that's what I think Luke is trying to show. He's trying to show this man, Jesus, is the most compassionate man that ever walked this earth. And therefore, by what he did in his miracles and the compassion he showed upon sinners, he has to be the Messiah. Because only Messiah would serve that much compassion. And all they re he requires is that you come. <coughs> and he didn't even take credit for when he healed. He would tell them, your faith healed me. Your faith. Understanding that the spirit moved as it wanted, but he would tell them, encourage them, your faith, your, your participation was your faith. And we got to increase our faith. The, 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 even the disciples don't come to a point and say, increase our faith. And that's when he explains to them, some people talk about mustard seed faith and really don't have any faith. They hope they got mustard seed faith. Because he said, with that, you can move stuff. But, but again, his compassion is what I want to focus on uh, today. So, all right, we at nine and one. All right, let's go. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So they got power and authority over demons, supernatural and natural uh, 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 afflictions. Okay. Now they're getting the assignment. All right. So they have authority and they have power. 
If they just had power, Sister Brown, and not authority, would it have worked? Mm, I don't think so. Why? Because you have the power, but I think I think the authority is more is stronger than the power. Okay. Because when you think about uh, some of the other some of the other um, not disciples, some of the other. Well, I'm losing my train of thought. That's all right. Um, some of the other. Help me out. I want to say not the the the, the uh, prophets. Yeah, prophets. Okay. They had power in certain, to a certain extent, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the authority of God. Okay. So you know you would they could make the the little snakes do this and you know bite people or whatever, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the authority. Okay. Okay. That's just my thinking. All right, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? Well, think about this. Let's think about the light switch. If I turn the okay, I have the authority to turn that light off, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. But there's power surging through that even if I turn the light off, right? Mm -hmm. But it needs somebody to come click the click the, click the switch up. Mm -hmm. So the person who has the authority regulates the power. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. If I walk over there and switch it off, it's still a hundred volts that can kill us running through these lights. Right. But I've turned it off because I have the authority. So the authority, you were right. You the authority is 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 paramount to power. Some people got power but don't have authority. A lot of times in our lives, we, we walk in the power of the resurrection, but we don't accept the authority to which the resurrection comes from. And therefore, when we don't build our character to, to match our power, we end up shipwrecking people in for when it comes to God. God gives you a gift, which is the power, but He but you want to build your character to carry the gift. So when you use it under the authority that he's given it to you, then it'll work. But when you step outside the authority, which a lot of people do, the only authority I have on your life, and I'm telling this for other people so they can be set free from the tyrannical pastors that are out here taking advantage of people. Only power I have over your life is the power that the scriptures give me to teach you the word of God and instruct you. After that, I don't have any more power over your life. The How I look after your soul is to teach you the word of God. I don't need to be in your personal business unless you bring it to me. And if you do, you know what I'm looking forward to do? Getting in and getting what? Getting out. I shouldn't be carrying you two, three years from now with your personal stuff unless you want me to help you. But I have to see that you at least trying to do what I want you to do. Because a lot of times, in my seven years, I've been worn out by some people. They, they got my ear, but they don't never do what I tell them to do. And God has told me, you know what? You being dumb. They ain't listening to you. Why you keep entertaining them? They're not even taking none of your advice. They just want, want they believe that the, whatever aura I got passes on to them. And they get that from the oil that flows from the beard. Okay? And I get that. All right? Hmm. But we're not, we're not Jews. Okay? What flows from me is the teaching. And then I'll let you live your life. Amen. That's it. All right? So they're getting ready to get their first assignment. Now think about all the miracles God and Jesus done at this point. Now they get it. They get a chance. They've been watching them all this time. So here they go. They're gonna get a chance, and he's telling them, "You gonna have authority over the demons, and you got the ability to heal the sick." He's get, he now he sets them up. What else, well now? Let's get a criteria to which they're supposed to go. How are you supposed to go out and exercise this authority and power? Go ahead. And he sent them out <clears throat> to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. So in other words, don't take nothing. Don't take nothing and don't receive nothing. Don't take anything. Just be focused on the mission. Okay? What you got on is good enough for what you need to do. All right? Don't prepare like you're going on a vacation. You're going on assignment. All right? Go ahead. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. So whatever house you enter. He say house is. So they're going to one house. Whatever house you enter, stay there. All right? Go ahead. And wherever they do not, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So this is a Jewish idiom that they used to do when every time they would enter Gentile territories or Gentile's house, 
that when they would leave, they would shake dust their feet off because Gentiles were dirty dogs. Okay? That's how they viewed Gentiles. So what Jesus is doing is following the Levitical, Levitical way of handling things. When they don't receive you, whatever message you got, whatever they don't see the message. Now, they can receive the healing and not the message. See, this is the great part about this time. This compassion of God, it, he's saying, go do the miracles to validate the message. So the biggest thing the person could get is the message. But a lot of times what we do is we cling on to the miracles, and then we want more miracles after that. It's like one miracle just won't do. That's why you had a story. Every time you have a genie story, how many wishes you get? Three. You never have one where you get one because one couldn't satisfy you. But three is too much. Because you end, you end up taking number three and want three more. You know, because you done messed up with the other two. All right? Too many choices sometimes mess up things. But, okay, go ahead. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They preaching the gospel and hearing healing everywhere. What was the gospel they were preaching? What was John the Baptist's gospel? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay. Because I'm going to shock y'all's mind. There's actually more than one gospel in this book. Because the word gospel is good news. Mm -hmm. So when Moses showed up to get the Israelites' lights out and told them that he had come to deliver them, Pharaoh let my people go and all that stuff, his proclamation of God, that was good news for the Israelites. So... Yeah, so that's just a little tidbit. Go ahead. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, mm -hmm. by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So in other words, we got Herod. Now, this is not the same Herod that wanted to kill him back in uh, when he was born. Okay? This is his son. All right? This is Herod number two. Okay? But Herod was just a title, right? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Herod, the house of Her Herodian. He's from the house of Herodian. But he's not a Jew. Herod, the Herodians are not Jews. There's something else. They married into the Jewish family for political reasons. And they were handpicked by Rome to run the Jewish Jewish nation. So that's why in this time, remember we talked about the fact they had two high priests? Yeah. One from the nation of Israel and one was a political appointee. Okay. Uh, Caiaphas is the political appointee. Okay. Caiaphas, when we get to the Jesus and everything, we got down the road, you're going to see who the political appointee is because that's where they're going to take them so they can go get what they want. But uh, Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch is just a governor. Even though he's called the king of Israel, there was only one king at that time on the earth that was recognized as the king of the earth. And who was that? The king of the earth? Yeah, who was, who was considered the king of the earth? Caesar. Caesar, Rome, yeah. Caesar was considered the king and God, okay? All right? So so this is, you got to remember, they're under Roman uh, oppression right now because of their disobedience. They're not, they're, you know, every every time Jews went into this situation, it's because of their disobedience. Okay, it, that's because of their disobedience. So you got a situation, and 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 again, he's the one who beheaded John the Baptist during that time. Y'all know the story. The, the lady danced, and she and, and the devil got what he wanted, and John the Baptist got beheaded. And John the Baptist was wondering why he was sitting in prison and, and, and wondered what did he sit should he look for another no you should look for another because you can't base upon what God is doing based upon what happened in your life then Jesus had to send back to him basically Isaiah 61 and 1 all these things are happening I didn't say I was going to save you I didn't say when you did what you was called to do that you was going to have an easy life after that because that's what we think we think when we, when we call by God to do something and we do it we think it's vacation time we think, oh, okay, I did. The Lord told me to do. I'm feeling good. Uh-uh, that ain't how it work. Because he may have something else for you to do that's even more dangerous and strenuous than what you went through, but that prepared you for this. All that has happened to me prepared me for this. And especially the bad stuff, Sister Brown. Especially the bad stuff. Okay? So I won't necessarily have to repeat it. All right? Go ahead, Freedom. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. 
and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So, so they came back excited that the demons fled from them, that they were able to heal the sick. They were excited. And who wouldn't be? These ain't but some fishermen. They're not even priests. They just fishermen. And and the man they had been learning from, watching them do all these miracles, they get assigned authority and power, and it works for them. So they got first. I think about this. This is why I say he's God, dummy. I mean, they they doing what he did. So who else could it be? Because none of the prophets. Think about this. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet born unto woman, right? Mm -hmm. Name the miracles that John the Baptist did. He do None. He didn't do any. You know why he was the greatest? Because he had the message. But see, being that we flesh creatures, we look at people who do fancy stuff with their hands and that kind of stuff and trick us, you know. But he had the message. That's what made him the greatest. And he said, even the least in the kingdom, you know the least in the kingdom? If the least in the kingdom gives the message, he's greater than John the Baptist because he holds no title. There's a lot of people out here giving out the gospel. They'll never have a title. But they're faithful to the ministry. They're faithful to the church. They're faithful to the mission of God. And they'll never be known, you know, even at my level. They'll never even be known at my level. And sometimes I think it's a curse and a blessing. Because the more people study us, uh, I'm not worried about the critique. But sometimes you just be like, I don't, I don't want to let the eyes be on me all the time. But that's, the, that's what we're called to do. Like y'all are called to support that, you know. And again, we get you get blessed from that. I mean, I get letters from all over the world about this ministry and how blessed people are from from our serving them because we're serving them. We're not asking. I don't ask anybody for any money. You know, at the end, there's a thing. Sometimes I put out there, sometimes I don't. But it's not a thing where it's, it's not about money. It's about the message, and that's what it's about for all of y'all. God is giving. Now look, He made Him give you the authority to cast out demons and all that other stuff, but He did give you the authority to carry His message, Amen. and you have the power because you saved. Because you can walk in the power of the resurrection. That's why when he said he doesn't give us a spirit of fear, it's, it's, it, we still reverence and fear God, but the, the, the spirit of fear has to do with, there's nothing that prevents you from, from giving the message of God out, the salvation message, the, the gospel. Jesus Christ died for sinners. There's nothing that should stop you. There should be no trepidation when it comes to giving the word of God out. Just that. You know, what has happened to you, your testimony. All right, go ahead. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. See how he rolling? They went away to rest. The crowds follow, and look what he get to doing? Healing. Remember the time in the other chapter where he, he healed all night long? He stayed up and healed anybody that came to him. Jew, Gentile, he didn't make a difference. His compassion is amazing. God's compassion is amazing. And I, and, I, and I want to touch on that to show you how compassion is. Uh, Sister Brown, go to, uh, go to Psalms 86 and 15. Read that. Psalms 86, 15. But thou, O oh God, oh Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenty, plenteous in mercy and truth. So he's, oh, go ahead. Oh, turn unto me and have mercy unto me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. So in other words, God is his God of full of compassion and mercy and grace. He's full of it and he can't be exhausted of it. Okay? Meaning that you can't use up the grace and the love and the mercy of God in any given sin. That's why it tells you where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to explain to you, grace is the opportunity to remove the sin from your life. It opens up so wide the area, whereas the sin was trapped inside of you. What God has done is opened it up through the death and burial resurrection where the sin can leave now. And you can pour in his love. You can pour in his understanding. You can pour in the scriptures now. You can use the word of God to show that sin right on out your and use it as the, the power of grace. Or you could take grace in a different way and do it the opposite way. You can shove what God has given you out and keep shoving in more sin. Mm. That choice is yours. Freedom comes with a cost. 
And freedom in God comes with the cost of you give up yourself to follow what he say. Because it's good for you. All right. It's good for you. Just so, Brown, go to Lamentations. We, we still own the, the, the compassion of God. 3 and 22. Lamentations 3 and 22. Mm -hmm. And 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Stop. It is because of his mercies. Amen. Not because of what you do. People listen, get this in your head. There's no religious activity that you can do that satisfies God to the point that you're not going to be held accountable for sin. There's only one, one avenue he gave us is Christ. So read that again. That is so powerful. Read that again, Sister Brown. It is of the Lord's mercy is that the Lord's we are mercy. not consumed because his compassions fail not. So because his compassion he has for us, we're not consumed by his wrath that we deserve. That it goes along with Ephesians chapter 2. Okay? We deserve wrath, but his compassion overrides his wrath. Because he has because compassion had to override the sin of the wrath that we deserve, because that's what the point with Jesus was here. Jesus was coming to give us the compassion that no one else could give us to take our place on the cross. That's the most compassionate that one would give his, the Bible, Romans talked about that one gives his life up for a friend. And he gave his life up for sinners who weren't his friend. Okay? Who weren't his friend? Go ahead, keep reading. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. See? We're back to this hope. The scriptures said we're supposed to have hope in the scriptures. The scriptures talk about the Savior. The Savior is Jesus Christ. And this was way back in Lamentations. Amen. He's talking about the Lord Jesus. The hope is in Jesus. Before he even knew Jesus was going to come, and he knew how Jesus was going to come, but he had hope in the Savior because God had promised them. All right? And when the Bible says sometimes you need to encourage yourself, I want, I'm going to help y'all with that. It ain't never about self. Because you ain't got enough to encourage yourself. Because if that's the case, you wouldn't need God. So if we see that the word of God is for our endurance and our encouragement, the way you encourage yourself is through the scriptures. See, it ain't you relying on you. It's you relying on what God has given you. He's your portion. You got to realize that, saints. I can't make you realize God's your portion. Me and you sitting next to each other going through the same accident. I'm thinking, God, my portion. You worried about what's happening tomorrow with the lottery. <laughs> we in an accident. You, you try to make sure you can get home to your numbers. I'm thinking, God, he's our portion. Guess what? God saved the both of us. Yeah. But if God take me and I'm worried about him being my portion, I, I'm not in a bad place. Because he is my portion, I know where I'm going. I pray that Lord let me get to my mother's age. You know why? Because if I am progressing in loving God like I am now, if I get 30 more, man, 30 years of loving God on this side, Amen. that's why I'm jealous of freedom them. Think about it. When they get to our age, if Lord bless them and they stay on track, Amen. they're going to be powerful in God. Because at their age, I wasn't thinking about this <laughs> at all. But they in it. And that's why we got to give them room to grow. Because they have a bright future in Christ. When I look at them, I see the future walking truth, whatever it's going to be. It might just be them. I don't know. But all I know is we've done our job. All of us. Training them up. Bringing them along. Letting them grow. Watching how they do stuff. You know? And understand they're going to do this stuff different. Okay? But as long as the word is there, we don't. We don't worry about that. Okay? All right. Go ahead. Back to the, the, the loop. Go ahead. So we're talking about the compassion of God. He is your portion. Just because he's your portion, you should, you should thank God and say, God, thank you. Because he didn't say he's your portion when you do good. He didn't say he's your portion when you do bad. He said he is your portion. So that's one of them things that's, that's non-negotiable with God. For his children, he is our portion. 
You can't take that away from me. I don't care what you see me do. You can't. You don't have authority to take that away from me or the power to take what God has done for me away from me. That's why I, I don't like it when these pastors play fast and loose with salvation. And, and it's up to them to decide you did this wrong. You ain't got to be. You ain't saved no more. You did that wrong. Did, no, no, don't do that to people. Because you lead them in despair because you're not following. You think you're following the word of God, but what you're doing is putting them in a, a ridiculous position because what if they do? What if another pastor say something else to do? Now they're confused because each of you said you're from God, but let's measure it up to God's word. See, don't don't tell me that God's going to put something in your mouth that you haven't studied. I, 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 I'm telling y'all, I'm done. <laughs> the next person who get up before y'all, and I'm telling y'all this in this listening, the next time somebody get up in this church talking about they didn't study, they didn't do this and they did that, and God's going to put it in their mouth because God said he's going to bring back to the remembrance and put in their mouth what needs to be said, which is a true statement, but you're using God's word against what he said. He said, study that show thyself approved. So it can't mean what you just said. Yeah, he did say that he put in your mouth what you need to say. But then he also said, study to show thyself approved. So you're going you gonna to rely on, on the part of God's going to put something in your mouth, but you're going to know the parts that God say, study to show yourself approved. That's what you call twisting the word of God. Yeah. It has to match up. So it can't mean what you're thinking. What it means is, if you read it in context, he said to this, when they bring you before the governors, the, the enemy, uh, uh, the the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, temple and that kind of stuff, and they're and you're being persecuted. That's the key word, and you're being persecuted. Then he say, "Don't worry about what you're gonna say. I'll give it to you." Amen. Amen. So, so if you come to preach and you tell me you ain't studied, where's the persecution that's supposed to give you? We're not prosecuting you. We're not persecuting you. Mm -hmm. So you're not being questioned. Okay. We need to stop that, saints. It sounds cute, but it's not. It's very serious to me because I know what it, where it comes from. It comes from, from laziness and over-spiritualizing like God is always talking to you. And I can tell when it don't. I can tell when you do something godly because it'll match up with his word. See, that's what he gave us to weigh everything by. Not what's up here, but what's in here. We weigh it out. Oh, that don't sound like God. To be lazy and trifling, that don't sound like God. No, that ain't how we do things. That ain't how God does things. All right. Go ahead, Free. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provision. So they then did the miracle, right? They went out and healed everybody. I want y'all to keep that in your mind. They were given authority and the power. They got a chance to watch Jesus again heal. And maybe he let them heal along with him. We don't know, but we know that they went away and the people came and Jesus healed. Now they're in a situation where the, all the people that, that hung around and listened to his word, listened to his message, if they hungry, he's not going to send them away. And we have the, this, this, this account in the other gospels. They're not going to send them away. So they need provisions. So what happened? Go ahead. For we are here in a desolate place. Mm -hmm. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Stop. So what their response is, how are we going to feed them? Because there's no store around. There's no store close. So we're in a desolate place, a place that the place that on the surface seems as if it's a place that doesn't have any life or any sustenance or any provision in it. We're in a desolate place. So think about this. These people came to see Jesus in, in a desolate place. It wasn't no, it wasn't no uh, paradise. They out in the wilderness coming to see Jesus, who they heard about to get healed. Okay. Desperate. But they're in a desolate place. All right, go ahead. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And we know where he got that from, the little boy. Go ahead. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. They think in natural. They think in natural, which is understandable. There's nothing wrong with it, but go ahead. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. So now he tells them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. Okay, and it's 5,000 men. Now men in that in that in denotation, denotion, whatever. What is it, Mrs. Brown? <laughs> I done got tongue twisted too. Uh, they're marking the, the count by the men. Yeah, they're marking the count by the men. There's 5,000 men. So that, so, so that doesn't include their families and the children. So you're talking about really about 15,000 people. 
And he's telling you, telling them, sit down in 50s, okay, of the men. So you take 50 men and their family sit them over here. You take 50 men, that's 5,000. So how many groups are there of 50 men? If there's 5,000 men and they sitting in groups of 50. Well, I'm taking all y'all diplomas back. A hundred. Uh, think about that. A hundred groups of 50 men plus their children in that group. So it may be six, uh, uh, 80, 90, 100 in this group. It may be 150 in that group. But it starts with the 50 men. So there's a hundred groups. And he tells them to sit down. And Jesus told them to feed them. He said, you feed them. Okay? They're giving reasons why they can't. There's not enough. And it's desolate. Okay, go ahead. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So 12 baskets of the broken pieces and people try to over-spiritualize that. There was 12 baskets. Why was 12 baskets taken up? Because the disciples needed to eat. Again, you see them serving the people before they serve themselves. The model. It's right there in front of you. Jesus hadn't even ate. But Jesus was the provider. And they were the server. And they were servants serving all these people. And that had to take a lot of time. That had to take a half a day. You got to remember, there ain't no line. They going around with a with with a thing of fish and a thing of bread, and they handed people, and they said they all satisfied, which means they ate seconds or whatever they wanted, they got. God provided for them through the apostles. Hey, he had them do it. He didn't do it. He let them do it. So now you have a situation where they serving, they they did the miracle on the supernatural level, and they need to serve on the supernatural level. But they serve sometimes as ministers of God not even apostles. What I see is that as much as we can serve on a supernatural level, we need to look after the needs of people on a natural level too. That's the food. Okay? In this situation, it's the food. Your situation may be different. Okay? I'm just saying you're serving. There's no glory in this. Can you imagine being 12 people trying to serve 10,000 people? There wasn't no glory in that. There wasn't no glory. That probably was, was a very... In, in the middle of the desert, yeah. there probably wasn't no, no fun in doing that. Nope. You know, G, and Jesus just stood there. <laughs> and they walking around. I bet they looking up. I bet they wish the bucket got empty. Yeah. Every time they reached in, like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Right. The, hey, it just got light, and then when I went to the other 50, get, between walking from one group to the next group, it would get heavy again. Yeah. You know, and Jesus, and I look back at Jesus, and Jesus is like, <laughs> All right, go ahead. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? See, we well, here we go. Who is this man that can stop, can calm the sea and the waves? Who is this man that can raise people from the dead? Who is this man that can feed 10,000 people? Who is this man? So this all culminates. Who is this man can give authority to these fishermen to go cast out demons and heal the sick? Who is this man? And it culminates with the question he going to ask them. He got to see where the mindset of these 12 are. And you have to remember at this point, Judas is still a part of the group. All right. So he's going to add Judas fed the people. He probably didn't put a little money, put a little bit of weight for himself, but Judas fed the people too. Okay. So go ahead. And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So he asked, who do they say that I am? The ones who are receiving the miracles? And he said, some think you John the Baptist. Well, that's kind of crazy. John the Baptist ain't never did no miracles. Okay. Herod want to know who you was too, because he heard about the miracles. He wanted to have an audience with you. He thought you was, he thought the same thing they thought. Maybe John the Baptist, maybe one of the prophets. They can't rationalize that he's the Messiah. You see what I'm saying? That blindness of disobedience will not let you see that part you need to see. You good up to a point. 
But you can't get to the fullness of what you need to see because you're living in a life of darkness. You're living in, in that John 319 area. Men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. See, when, you, when you're not willing to let God get into the dark spaces of your mind, you will not be able to enjoy the fullness and, 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 and speak correctly. So they are going on what they know up to the point of what they've seen and what they heard, and they still haven't made the leap that he's the Messiah, the planned Messiah. Nobody's done as many miracles in the whole Bible of the Old Testament. And, it, and when you read the Old Testament, them dudes weren't doing miracles every day. It'd be 50 years between the first miracle and the last miracle. Jesus doing miracle on a wholesale basis. Okay? To me, the leap should be easy. But with, with disobedient, hard, stiff-necked people who are so called into religion, you miss it every time. And leaders who are corrupt that want to rule over the people versus bringing the people to God. If And again, we've got to remember, 90% of him trying to get to them, he did miracles for the people, but he did it on behalf of the leaders who, if they would have accepted Jesus, they would have accepted Jesus. But they didn't. All right? Go ahead. And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Stop right there. So in other words, he says, you answer correctly. Peter answered correctly. He said, tell no one. And then he tells what must happen. The next sentence is going to say, that this was even hidden from them. He told them, but God also blocked their understanding because God is a revelatory God. He reveals himself to whom he chooses. He let them know the answer correctly, but they weren't ready to handle the, the full understanding of what was going to happen next because you have this powerful person. You know he's from God. And again, you want him to overthrow and put you back in the Davidic time, but he didn't come to do that. Even though he's prophesied to do that, the mystery was the church. The church was that mystery that he did nobody know about. None of the prophets of old knew about the church, the body of Christ. That's who we are. We're the body of Christ. Okay. So we see this compassion that Jesus has towards people that he's even to multiply himself. Whereas he said, I'm going to send y'all out to even do, do the miracles that I've been doing as I walked around. I'm going to let you guys do it. And you guys go out to the villages and you do what I've done, proclaiming the gospel, understanding that the gospel is the power. The gospel is the power of God unto the resurrection. That's what Romans. See, what Paul writes about is explaining this. Paul is explaining what we're reading. He's saying the gospel that was given for them to give was the power of God unto resurrection for them too, if they would have believed. But they didn't believe. And we just see how compassionate God is. Says Brown, one more time. We're going to stop right there, but one more scripture. Go to Colossians 3 and 11 and 12. And we'll end with that. Colossians 3. Mm -hmm. 11 and 12. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. How far did you say that? That's it. Okay. So in other words, with all of those, that's compassion. Put on compassion. Mm -hmm. Put on compassion. There's And see what he gave before that. That's you know, no Greek, no, no Jew. If you go before that, you understand that a little bit more. But I want to start there. There is no... Uh, partiality with God and there's God is saying there's nothing in the natural that should stop you if you a child of God for putting on compassion just because you a Greek and you say put on compassion if you a Jew and you say put on compassion if you black and you say put on compassion if you white and you say put on compassion see the thing about it is the cross makes everything else irrelevant because we all are sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God every day and we need a savior. And in this in this instance, we're rolling with Jesus being this great compassionate savior to the point that he's going to even, instead of send out the 12, in the next chapter, he's going to send out 72 or 70. Depending on what, which, which version of the Bible you got, 72, two by two. So that's 36 groups of people he's going to send out to do the same thing they did. Now he's extending it to, to, to the next level. So you got Jesus, you got the apostles, then you're going to have disciples, which are students that are not apostles, but they're students. OK, 
Okay? An apostle is just an elevated student. Just elevated in the sense of responsibility. So now he's going to extend his reach through the power of his disciples to these people who are just following him. That are going to eventually, when he says, you must eat of my blood, I mean, drink of, eat my flesh and eat, take of my blood, they're going to leave him. This is going to be the 12. See, you can come along and be a, a student of God and never be saved. Yeah, it doesn't exceed. That's the that's the weird part about it is you can intellectually study this Bible mm -hmm. and know everything about this Bible, but the intimacy of salvation will miss you. Mm -hmm. So you have knowledge and you're puffed up, but you're not saved because you're not willing to bow your knee. Mm -hmm. Everybody else needs to understand this. I'm going to show you how smart I am in this, but that person's never bowed their knee to get saved themselves. So they're missing the essence of the purpose of this book. They don't see Jesus like I see Jesus from, from Genesis in the fall and the necessity for a savior like we do. We need a savior. Yeah. Not we just, we want one. We need one. Because if we don't have one, eternity is nothing to us. And if the Bible's true about what eternity is for those who aren't saved, I don't want no part of that. I don't want to be sitting here gnashing no teeth and being eaten by worms. That are never and never that never get quenched and, and thirst that never get quenched. I don't want to eat. I don't want to live like that. But Jesus is came to show, show compassion, and that's what we want to do. We want to be the ones who show the compassion that was shown to us. And when you understand it better, you'll be quick more quickly to do for somebody than do against somebody. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Grace, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word and your people. Continue to bless us as we continue to study the passion of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you for listening to the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. If this message has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform. You can donate by looking in the description box and picking your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. Continue listening. And your prayers are needed, welcomed, and appreciated. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard, Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.